reading today is found in John chapter 11, verses 17 to 37. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how much he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Oh, oh, oh.
Good morning, everyone. Today is the final week of our five-week sermon series entitled Letting Go, where we have been addressing some of the things that we must let go of in order to experience the quality of life that God desires for each of us. In week one, we considered Naaman and the importance of letting go of our unmet expectations. In week two, we considered the teaching of Jesus and the importance of letting go of the pull towards materialism so that we can freely serve God and others. In week three, we considered Elisha and the importance of letting go of the security of our present circumstances in order to embrace where God is leading us. Last week, week four, we considered David and the importance of letting go of our insecurities that are rooted in what others think and say about us. Today, we'll be considering Martha and Mary and the importance of letting go of our disappointment with God. Perhaps you have felt like this on occasion. God is a mean kid sitting on an anthill with a magnifying glass, and I'm the ant. He could fix my life in five minutes if he wanted to, but he'd rather burn off my feelers and watch me squirm. We will be reminded today that in order to experience the quality of life that God desires for us, we must learn to let go of the disappointment we experience when we believe that God has let us down. Today we'll be considering John chapter 11 and the story of Lazarus, Martha, and Mary, who are close friends of Jesus. The timing of this event is important. It takes place leading up to what we call Passion Week, Palm Sunday, the Last Supper, Good Friday, and then Easter Sunday. It foreshadows Jesus' own death and resurrection that will take place in the next week. In fact, it is this miracle that is the last straw 
for the religious leaders who ultimately are responsible for Jesus' death. The first thing I want us to see is request. Jesus and his disciples were ministering near the Jordan River where John the Baptist had been baptizing in the early days of his ministry. We are told that Lazarus, who was the brother of Martha and Mary from Bethany, lay sick and he was in dire need. Jesus was apparently a frequent guest in their home when he visited Jerusalem. The sisters, understanding the gravity of their situation, sent word to their friend, their teacher, Jesus, that their brother was desperately ill. Now, it was an interesting message. The one you love is sick. They are appealing to Jesus' relationship with and love for Lazarus to motivate him to come to them and heal their brother. In essence, they were saying to Jesus, if you love Lazarus, you will do something to stop this from happening. When Jesus heard the message, his response was, this sickness will not end in death. It is an opportunity for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Lazarus, Martha, and Mary, yet it says that he stayed where he was two more days. Now, if you do the math, the truth is Lazarus was already dead by the time Jesus got the message. You see, Jesus was one day journey away from them. He delayed two days and then took the one day journey back. So that's four days. By then, we're told Lazarus had already been dead for four days. So he was already dead when Jesus got the message. Jesus informed the disciples, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, and I'm going to go and wake him up. Now, Jesus was referencing to him dying. It's a Hebrew image that we see in Scripture, this idea of sleeping. Death was a sleep from which there was no waking. Oftentimes, someone, when they died, says they slept with their fathers. In other words, they died. The disciples took Jesus literally, that he was asleep and would in turn be feeling better by the time they got there. And Jesus said, no, you need to understand, he's dead. And for the sake of your belief, I'm glad that I was not there. And with that, they set off to Bethany. Secondly, regret. Bethany was less than two miles away from Jerusalem, so we're told that a group of Jews had made the journey to Bethany to comfort Martha and Mary and to mourn the loss, the death of Lazarus. They will serve as important witnesses to Jesus being the Son of God. When Jesus arrived, he encountered both sisters independent of each other and had a conversation with each of them. Both conversations began exactly the same. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Because Jesus had delayed, they believed that he missed the opportunity to heal Lazarus. They were clearly disappointed that Jesus did not intervene in their situation to bring about the outcome that they desired him to bring, which was the healing of their brother. You can feel the disappointment as you read the story. They had expectations that were not met, and now they are disappointed in Jesus. Now, these two separate conversations reveal some important information about Jesus. The conversation with Martha revealed truth about Jesus' divinity. Martha expressed her remorse, her disappointment that Jesus had not come, and that her brother had consequently died as a result. 
Jesus responded to her by telling her, your brother will rise again. Martha responded to that by saying, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day because Jews believed in a bodily resurrection at the end of time. And this is what she's referring to. But Jesus replied back to her and said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Now, what Jesus was saying to Martha was this. The dead who believe in Jesus will rise someday. The living who believe in Jesus will never die spiritually. Even if you die physically, you will live again. Now, Jesus was teaching her that eternal life does not begin at the resurrection. It begins in that moment when you believe in Jesus because Jesus gives real life, eternal life. So she replied, yes, I believe that you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the Son of God who has come into the world. Martha's conversation revealed that Jesus had authority over life and death. When Mary heard that Jesus had arrived, she got up quickly and went to him, falling at his feet. The mourners followed because they thought she was going to the grave. Mary also revealed her remorse and her disappointment that Jesus had not come and that her brother had consequently died as a result. She was weeping, mourning the loss of her brother. We are told that Jesus was deeply moved by her weeping and he wept along with her. Now, some of those who were observing this happening said, see how much he loved Lazarus? He's weeping for Lazarus. Now, personally, I think they missed the point. While he did love Lazarus, there's no question. I believe he was weeping with Mary because Mary was mourning and he entered into her mourning with her, even though he knew what he was about to do. Others expressed their remorse as well. If he could open the eyes of the blind, he could have kept Lazarus from dying. Third, resurrection. Jesus was brought to the tomb, the burial place of Lazarus. There was a stone laid across the entrance and Jesus said, take away the stone. Now, when Jesus said this, Martha resisted. He's been dead for four days, she said. By now he's beginning to decay. He's starting to stink. When someone died in this culture, it was a customary practice to visit the burial place for three consecutive days to ensure that the person was really dead. Once this time had passed, the fourth day meant it was all over. The fourth day marked the end of hope. Martha was saying to Jesus that any opportunity for hope had already passed. It was too late. Jesus then reminded her of their earlier conversation when she declared that he, she believed that he was the son of God. And so he basically says to her, do you believe that or not? Do you believe it or not? And so they took the stone away. And Jesus prayed to the father, declaring that what was about to take place would be for the benefit of those who were present, that they too might believe in him like Martha and Mary did. Jesus then called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out wrapped in grave clothes 
and Jesus told them to unwrap him and let him go. Now, some in the crowd believed in him because of this sign, of this miracle that had just happened. This man had been raised from the dead. But others rejected him and went to the religious leaders, and they called a meeting, the religious leaders did, and decided it was time to put an end to Jesus. This miracle of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead one week before his own death foreshadowed Jesus' death and the resurrection that would take place shortly after. There are three observations that I would like to draw from our scripture today. The first is grieving the moment. Anytime we experience loss in our lives, the passing of a loved one, a failed relationship, illness, a job loss, a family crisis, a pet dying, we grieve that loss. There are many voices that tell us that we don't need to grieve because Jesus is with us and we have hope and it's all going to be okay. And there are others that attempt to minimize our grief by downplaying it or explaining it away or spiritualizing it or even shaming us for our grief. God has designed us to grieve because grieving loss is healthy. And if anyone tries to tell you different, they are wrong. Jesus didn't tell Mary not to cry. He didn't say, stop grieving because I'm with you or because it's all going to be okay in a few minutes. He didn't scold her for expressing her disappointment in him. Jesus knew what was coming. He knew the miracle he was about to perform. He knew that in a moment, the weeping would turn to rejoicing, yet he cried along with her. He grieved the moment. He entered into her pain. And so be encouraged today. Jesus is with you and he mourns with those who mourn. It is okay to grieve the moment without shame or judgment. Just because we know that in the end it's all going to be okay doesn't mean we shouldn't grieve the moment. Secondly, eternal life. Jesus made it very clear to Martha that experiencing eternal life starts long before we breathe our last breath. It begins the moment we believe in Jesus as the Son of God. And we fully realize on that day when we are in his presence what eternal life is all about. Jesus is asking each of us today the same question he asked Martha. Do you believe in me? Do you believe in me? Some of the Jews from Jerusalem believed in Jesus after witnessing the miracle, and some who witnessed the miraculous power still turned away and did not believe. And so Jesus is asking each of us today, do you believe in me? We are living in fearful and uncertain times, but there is a way to know peace and have confidence despite what is happening around us, and that way is believing in Jesus. Because John says in his gospel, by believing, you may have life, eternal life. And eternal life can start today. Thirdly, misguided expectations. As followers of Jesus, we have hope 
because of what Jesus accomplished in his life, in his death, and in his resurrection. That ultimately, one day, God will wipe away all tears, will end death and sickness, and will eradicate the effects of the curse of sin in this world and in our lives. There will be a new heaven and a new earth, and God will bring things back into their original design the way they were before sin destroyed what we know today. As followers of Jesus, we are encouraged by Scripture to look forward to the time of Jesus' return and to live our lives in a way that reflects that we believe that Jesus is going to return at any time. What we're looking forward to is the full realization of the kingdom of God. Now, we know that the kingdom of God is already here in part because Jesus told us that. Jesus said that the kingdom is breaking in among you. We call it the already, but not yet. The kingdom of God is breaking in on the world, the already, but will be fully realized when Jesus comes back, the not yet. Because the kingdom is here in part, we experience a sampling or a foretaste, if you will, of things that are to come. We experience spiritual healing. We experience physical healing on occasion. We experience miracles on occasion. Now, where we get into trouble is when we start expecting things that belong to the time after Jesus returns, the not yet, to be a part of our lives today, the already. Things like everyone should be healed or that poverty and suffering should no longer exist or that we deserve extravagant resources. These are things that belong to the not yet, not the already. Now there's a theological term for this and it's called an overrealized eschatology. Eschatology is the study of things to come, the end times. An overrealized eschatology is expecting things that are reserved for the end, for the not yet, to always be a reality now in the already. Lazarus was raised, but he still died. People will die. Some are healed when we pray, but many are not. And so there are a couple of significant problems with an overrealized eschatology. First, it places an unnecessary burden on people because it tells them that if they have enough faith, they will experience the miracle, the healing, or the finances that they deserve. So it puts a lot of pressure. And secondly, it can potentially destroy our relationship with God because when things go different than we ask for, when our expectations of God are unmet, we become disappointed with God and we start to pull away. So the question that begs to be answered is, should we even pray for miracles? Should we even pray for healing? I would say yes, by all means, yes. Did Jesus raise people from the dead? Can he still do it? Yes. But we need to pray, understanding that there are realities that are a part of living in a broken and sinful world, that there are moments when God intervenes and changes the course of these things, but there are many, many more moments and times when he does not. When our prayers aren't answered the way we want him to answer them. And it's not a time to assess blame on anyone for a lack of faith or be disillusioned with God because he somehow let us down. 
A day is coming when all sickness and tears and death will be eliminated. And in the meantime, we live experiencing a foretaste of what is to come with a hope in our hearts for the full reality when Jesus comes back. In conclusion today, Mary and Martha look to Jesus to help them in their time of greatest need, believing that Jesus would do as they asked because he loved them. They were deeply disappointed when Jesus did not respond as they expected and lost all hope. Jesus assured them with his presence and joined them in their mourning and worked a miracle in their family, even though it was a different miracle than they had asked for. And so we are reminded today that in order to experience the quality of life that God desires for us, we must learn to let go of the disappointment we experience when we believe that God has let us down. Oh
We will sit at His feet or we'll walk by His side all the way. What He says we will do, where He sends we will go, never fear.